1: Yes, that's right. Erling Haaland's greatness is undeniable at this point after breaking the scoring record for a Premier League player in a single season. The achievement comes at a time when Man City look unstoppable in Europe when they dominated Bayern Munich yesterday in the First League of the Champions League quarterfinals. And to talk football, powerhouses and their hunt for more titles is Alex Brotherton, a journalist up there in Manchester. Morning, Alex. How are you going, mate?
2: Yeah, hi guys. Um, yeah, all good. Thanks here. Just um, a bit of a bit of a wet uh, sort of miserable evening here in Manchester. But uh, hoping it's nicer for you over in New Zealand.
1: Yeah, well, it's wet here too, mate. So we feel <laughs> I feel your I feel your pain. Having been up there a number of times, but you must be happy with the performance from City yesterday. What What was most pleasing for you?
2: Yeah, it was. It was a great performance. I think. Um, I'd, so, I'd probably go along with what Guardiola said afterwards, actually, which, yeah, not every team scores three goals against Bayern Munich. But what really impressed me was City's um, solid defending, really. You know, we saw Ruben Diaz, John Stones, Nathan Ake, Manuel Akanji making some great blocks, uh, Edison making a few good saves. Um, and we've we've not always seen that from City in the latter stages of the Champions League. You know, they've never struggled to score goals. But you think to last season against Real Madrid... Um, past game, past the quarterfinals against Tottenham and Liverpool. Um, that defensive solidity hasn't always been there, but last night they they just looked like, you know, we're not letting you pass and that's that. Um, and yeah, it was obviously at the other end of the pitch, you know, you've got Haaland breaking more records. Bernardo Silva was incredible. But um, I think for me, the sort of, the less glamorous side was the most impressive. Um, but yeah, all round great performance. So Pip is
0: a very emotive and a a passionate man and a passionate manager and and sometimes you feel like his teams embody his personality a wee bit. How badly do you think he wanted yesterday and to put a statement up against Tuchel?
2: Yeah, I think um, obviously there was a lot made before the match um, about Thomas Tuchel's record and that uh, that season when City lost the Champions League final, played Chelsea three times in six weeks, I think it was, and, and obviously Chelsea won every single game, but yeah, of course. I think I don't think Guardiola would have been that bothered about the whole Tuchel thing. You know, City beat Chelsea twice after that, before Tuchel got sacked. Um, but obviously it's it is the competition that City haven't won yet under Guardiola and he would have given that the first leg was at home and now we've got a, a second leg away in Munich, he would have always wanted to get, you know, a strong result on the board. You don't want to go over to play in, in Munich with a a draw or a um, with a, with a sort of a deficit to overcome. So, yeah, I think I think maybe the whole Tuchel thing was a bit more outside noise than within, but I'm sure Guardiola, as he said after the game, was absolutely delighted with the result because you can't ask for much more than 3-0 in the first leg of a quarter-final against Bayern Munich, can you?
1: Hey, Alex, where does this put the EPL as opposed to the, um, the Bundesliga when they go over there and they win um, so convincingly?
2: Um, I, yeah, I think... Yeah this this was kind of discussed before the game. I don't think many people saw City beating Bayern Munich 3-0 and while City could have scored more, I think you know Bayern will feel perhaps unlucky that they didn't get on the score sheet. Um but in general, I think there's no question that the Premier League is is st- the strongest league in Europe. It's definitely the most uh, sort of financially strong. I think after a few years of English teams struggling in Europe, you are seeing now that other other nations are just struggling uh, even their top teams um, as we saw last night, but I wouldn't go and take last night's result as 3-0 as saying, oh, you know, Bayern are miles off the other top teams in Europe, I think maybe they just City were very clinical, Bayern made a few mistakes at the back probably, didn't, probably don't deserve to be three goals behind on aggregate uh, at the halfway stage, but I think there's no doubt that, you know, Bayern are going to have to sh- strengthen them in the summer if they're going to compete with the likes of City and Real Madrid and whatnot next season but definitely a bit of a, a surprising result but I think there can be no doubts that the Premier League is sort of head and shoulders above the rest of the leagues in Europe now.
0: Yeah it's interesting insight there Alex and and now I guess Man City find themselves in a, a very com- well not comfortable but a, a position that would create a lot of envy from other clubs where they are firmly in a Premier League hunt, and they have to be firmly in this Champions League hunt as well. So as their season continues so successfully, does it become a balancing act now for Pep and his squad? And where are they at around confidence levels of being able to gun uh, Arsenal down?
2: Well, I think confidence levels couldn't be higher, to be honest with you. Um, You know, City had a bit of a slump in January. Uh, Guardiola was very public about that. Um, But now, yeah, fast forward a couple of months and confidence is sky high. They've won nine, I think it's nine consecutive games now in all competitions. They are cutting the lead that Arsenal have. You know, if City win every game now, between now and the end of the season, they will win the league because they've got that game in hand on Arsenal as well. And they've got to play uh, Mikel Arteta's side as well at the Etihad Stadium, which they'll probably be favourites for, I reckon, in in their home ground. Um, But yeah, I think it's, You know, City are used to this. They're used to fighting on... Well, last season, they were fighting on three fronts, I think, by this point. And obviously, they've got the FA Cup semi-final again. Um, They're used to fighting in every competition and going really deep in any competition. But, you know, it will be interesting to see how how, uh, Arsenal can use that situation because, of course, they're not in Europe. They're out of the FA Cup. They've basically got one game every five, six days now for the rest of the season. Whereas, if City keep going in the Champions League, they're going to have a game every three days. Um, so, yeah, we might see a bit of fatigue creeping at some point, but, you know, this is a group of players that are used to going in the distance and all very close to to the distance. So um, I won't worry too much, but, you know, Arsenal might have a bit more of a spring in their step come the sort of the last three or four weeks of the season.
1: Alex, here's some names for you. Dennis Burkamp, Rube Van Nistelrooy, um, Alan Shearer, Theory, um, Henri. Like, is it too early to, to call... Uh, Arlen, the goat striker that's ever played in the e- EPL.
2: Oh, that's a that's a tough one. I don't want to offend any fans of other clubs. Um, yeah, I'm not listening. Obviously, <laughs> from a obviously from a stats numbers point of view, you can't really argue it. But I think yeah, it, we, we need to see him for a few more years. I think to. You know, theoretically, if he just left in the summer, obviously, I'm not, that's not going to happen. But if it did, I don't think you could then say, oh, he's the greatest ever Premier League striker. Because, you know, I think for that kind of recognition, you have to do it over a few years. Um, and I mean, I have no doubt if he if he stays at City, he is going to continue hitting those numbers. And I think in a few years, we will we will start speaking about him being one of the greatest ever far sooner than you would any other striker that's ever played in the league. It, this isn't going to be like a 10 years down the line and then we start having a conversation. I think it's, as you say, you just mentioned it now. So we're already talking about it, but I think maybe a little bit soon now, but I think he is going to go down as, as if not the greatest, one of the greatest.
0: Is there a, uh, how do I frame this? Is there a like a, a routine these great players go on now? We've seen it, you know, that they might, they might hop around the leagues and then you know end up with a, a sickening contract from PSG or one of these clubs that are richer than you could ever imagine end up maybe in Saudi or wherever is there a kind of a path that when you get to this level your options when you get to the Haaland level the, the Messi level the Neymar level your options actually start to become very very limited and there's only a certain few ways your career can play out?
2: Yeah, I guess so. And obviously financially, you know, if someone like Haaland was to leave City in the, in the next few years, there's not many clubs that will be able to afford a transfer fee. But then also, you know, his wages. Um, he is, I think he's the the second highest earner at City just behind uh, Kevin De Bruyne. So that's definitely a factor in, in terms of finding another team where, you know, you're going to be fighting for league titles and the Champions League. You know there's again there's not many other teams is there um and the premier league is such an attractive league to play at i think that is a, a large reason why you don't you don't see many sort of players use city as a kind of a stepping stone anymore you know there's a few cases with you know leroy sané wanting to leave and he went to buy munich you know he had ferran torres wanting to go and play for barcelona because it was his boyhood club um but there's just not many you know kevin de bruyne rejoined in 2015 OK, you know, people like Raheem Sterling that left last summer. He was at City for seven years. Um, you know, it's just, they're just not, you're right, there's just not really many places to go. Um, with Haaland, you know, we have heard quite a bit that he's, you know, he he wants to play in as many different leagues and test himself in as many different teams as possible, which obviously feeds the rumours of Real Madrid being confident they'll get him. He's obviously done it in the Bundesliga he's doing it in the Premier League and looks to have, you know, cracked it already. So perhaps Spain, you know, at some point in the future, maybe that's where he'd want to go. But I don't think we're going to see him sort of, you know, getting bored of life at City in the next, you know, few years or something because really he has he has everything, doesn't he? And, and the crazy thing is he's breaking all these records, but people that watch City closely will know that there have been games this season where it hasn't quite clicked, and he isn't doing exactly everything that the Guardiola would would like him to do. You know, getting on the same page, um, doing a bit with his teammates, doing things off the ball a bit more than just sticking the ball in the net. So you know, there's room for improvement as well, which is the really scary thing. Um, so I think it's not just a case of oh, I've done it now, I've broken all the records. That's it. What else is there to do? He's 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 hungry to he's hungry to win, but he's hungry to improve as a player. And I think City with the players around him, with the manager he's got, it's probably the perfect place to do that, really. So, yeah, there's not many places he could go, but does he want to go anywhere else that soon? I'm not so sure.
0: Oh, well, whatever team he ends up playing for, the fan base is a very privileged because he is one of the most in and, and terrifying athletes in any sport, any code on the planet right now, Alex. Uh, thank you so much for your time this morning and with Champions League going on, I know you're going to get back to work, so we'll let you crack on and hopefully we'll talk again sometime.
2: Yeah, thanks guys. Thanks a lot for having me. There you go.
0: Alex Brotherton up there in the north. Kempi, where you've spent a lot of time. Milan and Napoli at the moment tied nil 0 And Madrid and Chelsea tied nil 0 Those games are about 17 minutes through. Soft spot for Manchester for you, Kempi?
1: Uh, yeah, 100%. Like, you know, the great Adrian Morley comes from Salford, which is Manchester. Yeah. Um, a great a great city to, to go out in like you know it's got so much history and stuff like that and of course I when I was up there Old Trafford I'd played there a number of times Test matches in and in finals um, and of course Manchester United with Eric Cantona and the likes the Beckham oh. Beckhams were coming through were there when I was when I was playing so um, man City back in those days were Manchester United today you know what I mean um, and it's it's really interesting to see Man City Earl Harlan, oh, look. I think that's a, a big call for for the goat because some of those names that I rattled off, like they were great strikers. Andy Cole for Manchester United. Remember him? Yeah. Andy Cole for the- Man, U- Man United. Like yeah. just out of the blue, out of the blue, became one of the best strikers.
0: And it's just what do you value, you know? Like he, as as Alex, he kind of put it beautifully. He has to do this for a number of years, but if he does, the statistics are there to back it up that he has he's got the talent. Now, back to the start of the hour. We've had a couple of ticks. Sorry, fellas. If the best three coaches are males, we're talking about the new Black Ferns assistant coaches, which have been named, and they are. And it's congratulations to those men this morning: Tony Christie, Steve Jackson, and Mike Delaney. Sorry, we had a text through from Steve straight away. Sorry, fellas, if the best three coaches are males, then they should get the job for the Blackfans. Did Whitney Hanson even apply for the job? You probably need to start asking the question before you speculate. Well, Steve, we were off to another interview, but here we are to follow it up. And another texter came through nice, sharp, and fast and said Whitney Hanson is the new Marta Two coach replacing Blair Blackster. And that is exactly right. So Whitney Hanson is off and she wants to go and... Um, Lead a program that was her what what she wanted to do. And Chris Lindrum, who's the New Zealand Rugby General Manager of Professional Rugby and Performance, he he directly addressed the development of leading female coaches to ensure their fe- future success. He said, "Individual growth of our coaches continues to be a focus for New Zealand Rugby. We are supporting the opportunity for Whitney to develop as a program leader with her recent appointment as the Matatu Two Head." Of rugby, our ambition is to continue to support the growth and development of our fleeting female coaches and provide them with the opportunities to gain further experience and be in a position to be competing for roles in our teams in the black in future. So, Steve, yes, that is you're kind of on the right lines there because that is what Chris Lind- uh, Lindrum has alluded to. Um, Kimpy, do you think that is fair enough for New Zealand rugby?
1: Uh, yeah, look, I I do. I, look, the the part um, that we really need to find out is whether or not she applied, because if she did apply and she's been in that structure with Alan Bunting and won a World Cup, you'd think she'd be showing. So it doesn't just
0: just it doesn't the way they frame it, it doesn't sound it sounds like she's made her decision.
1: Yeah, and if that's who, de- be- if that's her, right, Louis, if that's what she's done and made a decision, then good on her. That's, you know, she's obviously seen that as a better pathway to development um, and probably wants to go back in as the head coach. That's that's probably the, the pathway, you reckon?
0: It kind of feels like that. Mm. I mean, it kind of feels like she wants to go and lead a program rather than she's been the assistant. And I get that. I, I, we don't know what other women were involved in the selection process and if there was anybody else on the table. But what Chris Lendrum's saying is we want to continue to build our pathways to get to the point where we can have women that are competitive for these roles, which leads me to think that they didn't fight, they didn't think there was anyone suitable. Whether that's fair enough and the chicken and the egg argument, are they doing enough for the pathways? We don't know the ins and outs of that. But they they had to address it in the press release, and uh, down they did. So there's the update there, and as I said, congratulations. It's a great day for Tony Christie, Steve Jackson, Mike Delaney to be named uh, uh, assistant coaches of a black jersey, and also Janelle Strickland, who is going to be the team manager after being involved with Seven's program. So good on you, Janelle, as well. 22 minutes past seven here with Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. We're going to quickly rip around the grounds after this.